Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Yo, yo, yo. I got some news for you. Good news. See, Status has just officially launched version one of its mobile application, a private secure communication tool that combines a decentralized messenger, Web3 Bowser, and a crypto wallet all in one package. You download one thing, you get three. Lucky you. It's available now on the app and Play Store for truly private and secure communication. All right. So install it. Then check it out. Then have it be in the top rated usage on your screen time report on Sundays. All right. Join the public channel. Hashtag TBP where you can get some SMT that status to, to, to play with uh, some of the cool features like ENS registration, dApp curation and the decentralized sticker market. That's right. So go grab the app. It's easy to do. If you have an iPhone, it's on iOS. If you have an Android, it's on the Play Store. If you have a Windows phone, what's wrong with you? You can download it in your mobile app store or at status.im slash TBP. I'll say that one more time. You can download it in your mobile app store or at status.im slash TBP. No Blackberries. Welcome to Hashing It Out, a podcast where we talk to the tech innovators behind blockchain infrastructure and decentralized networks. We dive into the weeds to get at why and how people build this technology and the problems they face along the way. Come listen and learn from the best in the business so you can join their ranks. And we're back. Another episode of Hashing It Out. Today, it's me, Colin Couchet, uh, introducing the entire podcast, going solo again. Um, Corey Petty, unfortunately, could not make it tonight. But fortunately, we have three very wonderful guests with us this evening. We have Chango, the, the famous Chango Unchained from Cosmos, uh, head of community. We have Sonny Agarwal. Agarwal, did I pronounce that correctly? Eggerwald? Yeah, no. I murdered it. I don't know. And we have uh, all right. researcher at Cosmos and Brent Zhu, um, uh, uh, head of spe- our uh, special projects lead at, uh, at Cosmos as well, to come over and kind of talk to us, uh, talk to us about their, uh, their platform. Uh, you know, why don't you guys introduce yourselves a little more uh, so that uh, people can know who you are? Uh, let's start with you, Chango. I uh, entered into the blockchain space in 2014 as a Bitcoiner, uh, pretty much when I realized we were in for another recession. And um, I thought that Bitcoin was sort of the answer to that. So that was sort of my foray into cryptocurrency. And eventually I uh, just thought that I didn't know enough. And the best way to teach myself was to do uh, research and technical writing. And that's basically how I came to become a writer. And then uh, my writing was kind of discovered by somebody who was hiring at Tendermint in uh, 2017. And then that's kind of how I went into on Cosmos. That's the quick and dirty. Cool. Wait, question. Given that we're basically in a recession now, 
Do you think that Bitcoin is still the answer? <laughs> I still do. So here's the thing. I'm like one of those hodlers that think, you know, it's Bitcoin all the way. And until I'm proven wrong, then I'm going to keep, um, you know, believing in Bitcoin, which means that given that we are now in probably the biggest recessions in our lifetimes, uh, if Bitcoin does not become the store of value that I imagine it would become, then it will never happen. And at that point, I will stop believing in it. And I'm giving a time window of two years from now. So calling it right now, saying if Bitcoin doesn't go to like 100k within two years, you know, <laughs> then, then yeah, then I'll, you know, throw, then I'll throw in the pile and say, okay, you know what? I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, we can talk about that in a sec. I, I don't think I agree with that, but I want to give everybody a chance to, 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 to sort of give their – say who they are. So, Sonny, why don't you go next? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, my name is Sonny. Um, I <clears throat> got into the crypto space probably in like same similar time period, like 2015-ish, and I was just studying computer science and political economy, and I'm like, wow, this is a cool way of combining these two ideas. And so I started doing that for a while, started – you know, started with a bunch of Bitcoin stuff, taught a class at Berkeley, got into some Ethereum stuff, uh, interned at Consensus for a summer, which is where I met Brent, but I guess he'll talk about that. Uh, and then I joined Cosmos in the summer of 2017 because I was kind of annoyed with the state of blockchain development on Ethereum. And so I can't, and I'm like, wow, this Cosmos thing really seems to be the right way of doing it. Um, and I also run a, uh, and I also run a crypto podcast called Epicenter. So that's why I guess sometimes I just, I have this bad habit of when I'm on other people's podcasts, I just start like butting in and accidentally like putting in the host hat myself and just starting <laughs> asking questions. So sorry if I do that. It's all good, man. It's all good. And what about you, Brett? Hey, it's uh, it's great to be here. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Um, yeah, uh, this is Brent. Um, I, uh, I, I work on special projects uh, on the Tendermint team, building on the Cosmos network. So. Uh, my background's been uh, more on the Ethereum side, so I I, I, uh, I joined Consensus and the software development company in early 2016, and you know hung around the, the the office at first, you know in the early in the early months, and eventually you know joined on um, as a uh, as a as a member of the of the company uh, around May 2016. Interestingly, you know I, I had a chance to work with a lot of great people. Um, starting out, I was, uh, I was actually, uh, Joe Lubin's, uh, personal assistant. So I got to see a lot of the inner workings of the company and just checking out, you know, uh, how they're growing, uh, spent a few years there and eventually, uh, uh, spent some time with a protocol benchmarking company called white block. And, uh, then I ended up joining the, the Tendermint team and, uh, you know, it's been, it's been pretty great, uh, having the opportunity to see the the Cosmos ecosystem evolve and develop and, you know, all the iterations of the platform, which has been a you know pretty tremendous uh, opportunity and uh, uh, really happy to be here. That's awesome. And there's, there's, there's a few things we want to talk about, but we just we've got this itch. We got to scratch now. Why do you think Bitcoin is a store of value? <laughs> um, <laughs> How have recent events not changed your mind about that, first of all? And second of all, why would you think that to begin with? Because I, I just completely do not think that it is anything remotely even close to a store of value or even bit gold or any of that. I just can't – it just doesn't 
add up. So I'm just curious what led you to that so I could get more information to drive my own decision-making process. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I do truly believe in Bitcoin being sound money. You know, the economics are in place, you know, whether or not people actually use it as such is a different question, which is uh, sort of what reality showed us, you know, people aren't necessarily using it as a store of value. But, you know, as um, if you are like myself, using it as a store of value and uh, preferring to travel with it um, and and storing it in a really very convenient way um, and in a very private way, it's it's you know, it's, it, it has a lot of advantages, but, um, as we've seen with the market, I, I, I belong to the minority of people who are using Bitcoin. You know, I, I, after the 2017 ICO boom, we've seen a lot of institutional investors enter the market. And so, um, a lot of that has sort of flooded out the more, um, niche subgroup within Bitcoin users, which is people who who do hodl, and I, that's I I believe that's part of the complexity of what we're seeing right now play out. Um, but again, looking back at how people have used um, Bitcoin in times of social so like. Uh, social unrest and economic crisis, like in Cyprus, like in Venezuela, um, just like in, in, in India, when they got rid of uh, low denominational cash, we're, I, I think we're about, you know, several months to years away from having a larger population realize this mm -hmm. and possibly flowing into to see seeing bitcoin as the um as like a viable alternative to what they've currently have you know yeah. given that money is being inflated away at a rapid pace and i've heard that but it's always it's always like a few months away it's always been so and, <laughs> and not only that but like the it tracked directly with the the drop in usd in the stock market it like markets tank bitcoin tank that's not what a store value would do and so i'm looking at the market dynamics i also look at the fact that you know it's by definition probably not a store of value when you compare it to like gold, but either way um, it, it's, it's really not, not, not why you're here. And so I just wanted to scratch that itch if I could just to hear what you had to say <laughs> on that, but you, you're here repping uh, Cosmos, uh, Tendermint, Ethermint, IBC, these, these, these amazing projects that are, that are coming out of your ecosystem. And um, I, I think there's so much to talk about there. So I want to really focus on that. Um, so first off, let's let's describe what's the state of the IBC because that's been one of the major tenants of Cosmos that I'm aware of for for a long time now, and um, it's a really difficult problem. And I'm kind of curious how progress is coming on that. I, I last I heard, it wasn't out yet. Is that still true? Yeah, it's not out yet. So we're, what's what's the status on on IBC? We're gearing up for IBC launch with the second incentivized testnet that um, that we're, uh, we're, we're doing. Uh, the first one was Game of Stakes last year, and that was sort of the adversarial testnet that we had before um, launching the Cosmos Hub. 
And the intent of that was to sort of stress test um, the parameters and ensuring that there's, you know, nothing that could be broken before we launch something and we had to revert something later on. And so uh, doing this a second time, now it's called Game of Zones for uh, preempting the IPC launch because we want to see what sort of um, attacks could happen in a live network where there's multiple chains now sort of transacting with one another. Um, there's a lot of edge cases that are yet have yet to be explored. And especially, you know, we're, we're seeing multi-million dollar losses on DeFi protocols on Ethereum right now. And we kind of want to uh, see, we, we kind of want to prevent that from happening because, you know, once DeFi solutions flow into um, the Cosmos ecosystem and the connected change therein, uh, something like this could possibly happen. And we want to mitigate that as much as we can. So, yeah, so basically, you know, another way to put it is we're basically at this like test net stage sort of right now. And so in the next couple of weeks, we'll see a, a lot of the projects who ha- are building on Cosmos who have like who are building on Cosmos SDK uh, are um, going to be like kind of connect. We're going to be creating like a parallel Cosmos network, basically connecting a bunch of people's test nets together. So the IBC, it's interblockchain communication is based, is what it stands for, correct? have that acronym down mm-hmm. right yeah so okay so it's 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 essentially it's atomic commits across two independent chains or is it non-atomic commits like what you shook your head so i'm wondering like what is oh uh is it's it... more it's more like side chains right where right. all it's doing is it's sort of is at the base layer what it's doing is it's just sending proofs of state between two chains and then what we have on top of that is that what we call ics's which stand for interchain standards and so those are sort of these um high level pro- like you, you know you could think of ibc as like tcpip but on top of that you need http or smtp or you know ftp whatever all these like high level protocols so then you have these ics that are high level protocols you could have one for like token transfers you could have one for like you know evm smart contract call um so you can do these different ics that that you can do stuff on top of it but the base fundamental layer is just this idea of doing proofs of state to each other so the 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 proofs of state are predefined in i guess the main cosmos hub or is this something that you have to register or can you actually like declare what the proof of state is register that and yeah. then create any sort of asset or any chain you want on um your own um in your own zone i guess right and then that would transfer out of your zone and into the main network or at least prove to the main network that you possess this asset correct so i mean what what your chain kind of does is we have when you're when two chains both supporting IBC uh, like first make a connection to each other, they they basically make they have what's called channels. And so each channel is for a specific interchain standard. So when you do this handshake process, you're basically telling the other chain, like, okay, we're using this channel. You can think of this like when I connect my my port to your port. The channels are kind of like ports uh, on a server, right? And so when we connect these ports, we're saying, like, okay, we're going to be talking this ICS on this port. And so when they do a handshake, they kind of explain to each other, these are the ICSs that I know and can speak. Um, and same, there's also the same with like, you know, this ICSs, so you can define different consensus protocols uh, to each other. So let's say I, I have a Tendermint-based chain and you have an Avalanche-based chain. Um, I would need to have 
an ICS, if I want to connect directly to your chain using my chain, I would need to support the ICS that like explains to me how to do a light client proof to verify uh, state proofs of your chain. And what was the design decision behind this? Why couldn't you just have people create arbitrary transaction types and have them be able to just validate whether or not these transactions were, were these decisions they were making were, were following any sort of state rules as possible? Like what, what, what is the, I guess it's because you're using proofs. So is this correct? Because you have to register the proof from, you know, these spokes to the center, like the hub, then, then basically these, they have to kind of check in every once in a while. Is that correct? Um, so the, for not, like this, the hub isn't really important here, right? Like sure. the hub is, you can ignore that. IBC is sort of just a point-to-point thing. It just okay. allows two chains to talk to each other. So chain A and um, chain B, they can talk to each yeah. other because they speak the same language. And the proof itself has to be kind of defined in this, what did you say, ICS? Interchange. You can think of them sort of like ERCs, right? On Ethereum where, you know, we just need a common definition of like, okay, we're all going to use this standard for how to, because basically, yeah, you like an ICS for token transfers would basically be like, this is what the packet format would look like for a token transfer. It'll have these fields. Like th- this is the destination address. This is the amount going to be encoded like this. So that's what, sort of what the ICS uh, encapsulates. It's like basically defining these standards so that way different chains can implement handlers for the for the same standards. Okay, okay, okay. I got it. Um, and that enables these assets to be, they're not actually like, changing are they exchanging between two chains they're not like you're just telling the other chain that this person does possess this asset is that correct or um that i mean that's like sort of up to the ics but yes for the token transfers one that we're using yes i mean what it will do is uh well how, how, how the token transfer ics works is we take a token we lock it in a module or you know you can think of them as smart contract we lock it into a special smart contract um and that smart contract in state, it puts an outgoing packet, right? It says like, okay, uh, here's an IC, here's an ICS 20 uh, packet outgoing for this chain. Then you'll have what what's called a relayer who will go ahead and relay that, pa- like basically take a like client proof of that packet and put and submit it to the other chain as a transaction. And then it will be able to verify that packet and then it will mint you a new coin on that chain. So when you say proof, what is the nature of this proof? Um, I'm get is it like a Merkle root or like what, what's the what's what's the actual? Yeah, yeah, it's like a it's like a it's a like client proof, right? So it'll contain the uh, a proof of the consensus, like th- that this is a valid block. So Tenderman has a pretty uh, you know easy like uh, to use uh, header verification. So uh, so yeah, it's, so like you know you can. And then you would have the Merkle proof showing that this piece of state is in the chain. There is a, in the IBC standard, there is a spot that you can also do validity proofs. So currently we don't do this right now, but in the future, maybe like, you know, you could also just include a snark proof that is also like, you know, kind of like what Kodak kind of does. So you could just do a snark proof showing like, hey, look, not only is this like, you don't have to trust only the consensus protocol. You can also, because right now you kind of have to trust the validators of the other chain have done all the proper state transitions. If you have um, validity proofs, then you don't have to do that either. Gotcha. Okay. So the end result of this is basically some chain A, at a user at address A on you know chain one wants to speak to mm-hmm. wants to send an asset to user to address 
on um, chain, uh, you know, yeah, chain two um, to you know, address B, chain two. They they prepare a proof using because they they know already in advance that these two chains have compatible ICS, right? So they're they are compatible with each other. They both support each other's you know standard. Then they know mm-hmm. they can make a commitment to that chain um, by preparing what uh, validity or uh, yeah, just a state proof, proof, just a state proof to uh, and send it as a transaction. Is this a separate transaction or, or, or uh, just like a, a different kind of method of, of providing this information? It's just a transaction to the chain, which then puts it in the chain, validates it, and then that enables. Um, now, does that chain? The validators of that chain, so they have the validator set, um, you know, um, about 100, 200 people on that chain, I guess. Yeah. They would, they would be able to um, validate that, uh, this is chain two, mind you, that chain mm-hmm. one is valid. Would they need to jump in the validator set there? How would they, I'm not quite sure how without the full state or at least a current state of chain one, you could actually know for certain that the transition uh, transaction that was submitted to chain two was um, accurate. You, you well, because it has you have to submit the the block headers as well. Oh, oh, right? you did and say so, that. Okay, I got okay. Um, okay, so you submit the block so, headers. So but, basically, it's an on-chain SPV client rather than an on-chain. You know, it, it it would not be scalable for the validators of chain. Two to be running a full node of chain one, but essentially what's going to be happening is in the state machine of chain two, there's a SPV client of chain one. Oh, okay, I get it. I get it. Okay, cool. All right, that makes sense. Um, cool, neat. And this is this is currently on in testing right now, so it's uh, it's yep. actually something we could go out and play with today. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. Um, we'll demo just, out right now. What's the demo look like? Um, you know, I haven't tried it yet. The demo currently is basically, you know, just exactly this. It allows you to, you know, it'll spin up two uh, Tendermint-based chains for you, and then it will allow you to run a relayer between them, and you can do these sort of like token transfers between them. Got it. Okay, cool. All right. Well, that's that's super neat. And we uh, do not recommend using this with real value yet but yeah so what know. is what is the security concerns about this remaining because this is well so some of the early designs that i heard um they involved hash time lock contracts and things like that um you know it doesn't sound like you've gone with that approach in the end um mm-hmm. and uh you know running an spv client on the chain to me that sounds like it's, it could kind of limit the number of chains that you could register with the system. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'd probably have a pretty, a reasonably high enough cap though. I mean, given that, um, you know, you could always just relay to, re- you know, basically use chains as kind of like their own relay system, which was the original point of the whole design anyway, when, when you, when you originally presented it is that you would still have like all these chains coming off of the, say the, the main hub, but they would, they would yep. each themselves also be their own hubs and have the ability to, have other chains Mm -hmm. so passing things around this network wouldn't be a big deal except for the fact that i think what is it six to seven seconds of uh uh, time per block so it would add Mm -hmm. some delay to your transaction getting around but that's still significantly better than say the current financial system so i I get what you're saying there um so so yeah this is kind of where the hub comes in right where 
the hub, the, the role of the hub in the net of the, of the Cosmos hub in the network is to basically be this chain who's like like all these other chains they want to use IBC, but they're really meant for some other application. Maybe they're a Dex or they're, you know who knows what they are. The, the the point is that the hub is basically an application specific chain whose sole job is to basically optimize to making as many IBC connections as possible. So basically it should support like every possible ICS. So it can like talk to as many different consensus protocols as possible. Um, and so basically that way, if you have a chain, you're like, that's doing, you know, you're building a DEX, you don't have to constantly be upgrading your chain to support every single interchain standard because, you know, maybe there's all sorts of new consensus protocols being built. Instead, you just have to connect to the hub and the hub can act as a translator between uh, different chains that want to use that service. There's nothing about IBC that requires you to use the hub, but it's there as a service to other chains. Gotcha. Okay. And so let's say one of these chains was running Ethermint. And yeah. <laughs> so Ethermint is not a bridge to the main Ethereum network on its own, correct? Um, it yeah. is merely just no. a, a VM, essentially, uh, 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 an EVM that will run Cosmos uh, network. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, it, uh, it basically, it just does smart contracts. It'll let you handle this, this similar functionality that's available in Ethereum presently. Um, yep. Is this, so this is entirely correct. There's nothing different about it. It'll still handle normal ETH calls. It's kind of like uh, what we did over at Ava with Ethereum, where you can still make straight up like ETH calls to the, to the system mm -hmm. and it'll it'll completely work is this correct would, yeah basically how would you transfer tokens it would only be the main root ethereum token correct that could transfer to another chain using ibc um no because we could have a so ethermint can basically it so there's the ics for token transfers and ethermint could basically choose to how to adapt to that its own state machine to that uh, to that uh, ICS. So, for example, what what that means is, yes, it you the, it could use, um, it could make sort of a special contract that acts as a like an EVM smart contract that acts as an ICS wrapper. So you send ERC, you can make it so you send ERC twenty tokens to that contract, and it wraps and it basically still creates an ICS packet for them, just as it would for the native token as well. So what kind of challenges did you face? Are you actually using straight Geth or like how did you actually build Ethermint? Like is this like a, a unique EVM right. or like what did you do there? So so just a heads up, that that, that part that, that has not been we have not done that yet where we oh, okay. uh the token transfer, like the ERC twenties to I to um like creating I outgoing IBC packets for that. But yeah, I mean I can tell you a little bit about Ethermint in general though. Um so what we did there was we wanted a version of an EVM running on a fast finality chain uh, based on Tendermint core. Um, and two or three years ago, we had an, an original version of Ethermint, which is basically we took Go Ethereum and slapped it right on top of Tendermint core. Um, and that worked quite well. But the problem was it we spent a lot of time like writing the proof of stake system and everything in the Cosmos SDK. Uh, well, maybe I guess we should have talked about the Cosmos SDK a little bit first. Yeah, go for it. Uh, yeah, so the Cosmos SDK was basically, you know, a framework to make it easy to write state machines. So, you know, it, it's a modular framework 
it's all written in, it's written in Go, and so you can write your own state machine. Um, and there's these modules that you can write where, like, you know, you can import function the kind of like you know a Ruby on Rails ecosystem where like there's these open source modules and you can pull in whatever you need for your chain. So we spent a lot of time building like staking modules and governance modules and you know token transfer modules and all these like modules that which is how we built uh, the Cosmos Hub and which is what most of the chains on Cosmos are using the Cosmos SDK today. Um, and so you know we're like man in the original version of Ethermint if we had, we we spent all this time writing staking modules and stuff uh, and governance modules and we can't really reuse that on on this original version of Ethermint because it's not using Cosmos SDK. So what we did was we basically decided to scrap that original version and we started, you know, we call it Ethermint 2.0, where what we did was we decided just to build an EVM module in the Cosmos SDK. And that way it can still use all of the staking stuff and governance stuff as well. And so that's what the current version of Ethermint is. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. So actually our, our uh, Ted Mint, uh, I'm sorry, Ted, uh, Ted Yin, over here at um, Ava, we we actually um, mm-hmm. we we didn't we we just gutted their stuff and wound up making Go Ethereum work fine with our staking. But um, I, th- mm-hmm. I don't know why that would be a little different in our system than yours. But it, it is possible uh, for for Go. But I would agree that just taking a, a plain Jane EVM would make things lighter. It would probably make things faster. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, than just including the entire kitchen sink in and uh, whatever you do. Yeah. So I think that's a good design decision. Um, what made you choose the EVM other than, you know, uh, the smart contract support? What specifically about uh, the EVM uh, were you interested in? Mostly just the network effects that it already has. Like a, yeah. a large number of people who wanted I mean, there's even to today, there's this like a very high demand for a faster finality EVM. A lot of people who have spent, you know, years and years developing stuff on top of the EVM and in Solidity, they don't want to like rewrite all their stuff. So they, but they want to be able to port it to something that uses Tendermint. So that kind of, that was kind of what it was. I mean, at the same time, there's a lot, there's a lot of experimentation being done with, you know, newer and probably better smart contracting systems in Cosmos as well. So we have this, we have this project called Cosmwasm, which is this like smart contracting system, like Wasm based contracting. There's the, there's the Agoric team. They've done a lot of like object capabilities based uh, smart contracting, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. There's some, there's, there's some other ones. Dana was funded by the Interchain Foundation to launch Pact, their uh, smart contracting language uh, that's compatible with uh, Tendermint-based chains. Yeah. Cool. Like so essentially, you know, yeah. Our, our, our approach is like, you know, get as many smart contracting systems here and see which ones work and which ones people want to use. Totally. That makes sense. Hey, you guys ever notice that you'll be having an in-person conversation about flaming Hot Cheetos or cats or something or, or emus and you don't even own a cat. You might own an emu, but the next thing you know on Facebook, you start getting ads for cat litter, emu gates. It sucks. You should be paranoid. Big centralized tech companies make money from your data and they feed it back to you. You are the product. You're not buying anything. You're buying more of the things that you do. So 
But guess what? Now you can take some control back with the Status Chat app. The Status app lets you chat, transact, and use Web3 dApps. Status is decentralized, so even the messaging runs on the encrypted Whisper protocol. Status is also crazy about privacy and security, so you know your data and your identity are safe. And if you want to verify that, they open source everything. They build so you can hack away at it yourself and find out why it's the most secure distributed chat app. If you couldn't tell, this is a sponsored content that Status wrote. They paid us to say the last few things and this too. Status is transparent as a core principle. So they thought it would be right to tell you that. And it's meant to give me them exposure. Get you to go download their chat app from the app store or status.im slash get. And also helps the Bitcoin podcast network keep running. So go try it out, download it, get set up and find our public chat channel, hashtag TBP. And we'll give out a few tokens to let you try out all the features. Just head to status.im slash get to get started one last time status.im slash git what is pecky exactly and is it going to enable me to actually get real ethereum onto this or is that something totally different yeah so peggy is basically um it's sort of like a hack of like you know getting ibc onto ethereum is kind of expensive because um just it, it doesn't support the right precompiles and stuff that we need right now. Uh, it's just too expensive to verify certain header types that we that we need. And so Peggy is sort of just this hack around it until we get like a proper IBC implementation on Ethereum where the validators of a Cosmos SDK chain um, have a own control of multi-sig on Ethereum, which is not how like IBCC is supposed to really work. Like the validators of a chain aren't supposed to be really running anything on that other chain but this is sort of just it's a hack to make it you know to get us interacting with ethereum faster than it would take to write a proper ibc so um, wait, wait. so there's a, a single multi-sig contract which would reside on ethereum that would enable so what would you do lock the tokens in a in that contract and release tokens in yeah. that contract to enable assets to flow in and out but um, yeah. what, what is used as an Oracle system for pricing between, because uh, I would assume that whatever you're doing um, well, I would need to kind of keep your, your, well, I guess you wouldn't actually, because you're literally going to be transferring an Ethereum onto a wrapped, mm -hmm. uh, basically, a, a, it's not wrapped, but you like an actual like locked Ethereum onto, um, uh, say, uh, just chain two or whatever, or some, some chain. And then that, that Ethereum is a promise, essentially, on the main Ethereum mm -hmm. chain. And so you can base, is yeah. this, this is correct? Okay, cool. Uh, so I'm guessing, I'm guessing. So I'm just like, yeah. So you're basically promising on the main Ethereum chain. Um, the multi-sig contract, I guess, is like what, you know, like um, 7 of 10 or something like that. Something where you really have a, a lot of, um, you know, people on this multi-sig. Like, it's 67 of 100. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. That, that make, that's exact. So that's that actually makes a lot of sense. So that's a that's a that's a full quorum um, of a validator. So you pay. You yeah. put a hundred. Every validator puts a sign. Uh, uh, gets a signature space in the in the multi sig. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Cool. That makes a lot of sense. Unfortunately, I feel like I skipped a lot of details for the crowd. So maybe you could you could explain to them a little bit why you chose sixty seven 
and um and what's going on oh i mean basically we just want it so that it's like 67 have the same security assumptions as the chain itself which is what ibc does right in ibc you're basically the the light client the, the security of an ibc connection um is based off of this you know whatever the security of that other chain that you're interacting with is same thing here where we just wanted to make it like you know at least two-thirds of the validators have to sign off on any Peggy trans transactions as well. Right on, that makes perfect sense. So, um, what, what is the expected use case of this? So, I actually go, why would I want to take my Ethereum and put it onto Cosmos and have a promise? When I, I feel like that promise could get... How confident are you in, for instance, the multi-suit contract that you're using? A lot of these contracts have been compromised before. Hell, it was Parity's own contract back in you know mm -hmm. July two thousand seventeen. That got that got their multi sig took out a lot of big players. Uh, Bancor got hit really hard by this one, for instance. Um, mm -hmm. You know these these Solidity smart contracts are constantly under uh, attack, and yours would be a very high value target. Um, what are you doing to yeah. secure these contracts? Are you sure that this is like, are you like, how simple is this contract, for instance? Because if you get really complex, this gets really hairy really quick. Um, so, like, what's going on there with the security side of that? Yeah. So, this is kind of why we wanted to start with Peggy uh, rather than a full blown IBC implementation, because a full blown IBC implementation in Solidity is like, you know, will be probably way more complex. It has to, like, understand how IBC connections work and the handshake and the channels. And all of that stuff, um, which is why we'd like to, you know, that's why we're starting with Peggy, which is actually a pretty simplistic uh, version of a peg. And yeah, you're right. Even that could be complex. You know, you, you think a multi-sig is probably a pretty simple uh, contract. And, you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, we still mess up on those as well. So um, to be honest, we haven't gotten to the auditing stage of, of this yet. But yeah, I guess we're just really trying to go for a very simple contract and just getting as many eyes on it as possible. Um, there's a there's a there's a company in the Cosmos ecosystem called uh, Informal and they're really focused on uh, like you know formal verification of things, uh, especially of Rust. And so, you know, maybe eventually we might be able to get them to like see how they can help with this kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I don't really have an, a particularly interesting example for you that like Do you see insurance markets starting to pop up? I mean yeah, yeah, why why, you know, why wouldn't they? I, because you know the market. We, we we've shown that we can't guarantee against these things. You know, there's <laughs> there's going to be some multi multi million dollar exploits. Yeah, like uh, two of my uh, ex roommates, they actually uh, they created this project called Open, which is sort of it uses like put options to do insurance on Ethereum. So yeah, I mean, I, I think people maybe people who use Peggy might want to be able might want to compose that with like taking out some sort of insurance thing on, on, on chain. I was, I was chatting with someone a few uh, weeks ago and he like, we were talking about like trustlessness in blockchains and we were just talking about like how, like, you know, you can imagine. So, you know, companies like, you know, let's say traditional financial systems have like 99.9% .9 like uh, security. Right. And then we go to them and be like, no, no, look, look how much trustless we are. We have like 99.9999% security. And they're like, I mean, and, and their response is like, 
well, you know, who cares? We're insured in, the, in this case, and we're not insured on your system. So because we're insured, this is what's trustless to us, not, not your system. Yeah, so. truth, truth. Um, it, well, they're very skilled at hedging their bets on, in that space anyway. Um, though I yeah. will say that their security requirements tend to be a lot more stringent than even blockchain can provide, to be frank with you. Um, yeah. They're, they're, so one of the problems uh, that, that uh, a lot of these people are facing is just getting in, into um, getting past compliance and regulata- regulation. I mean, between it's not just KYC, it's also anti-money, anti-money laundering is AML and all these other weird compliance uh, laws. You don't want to get FinCEN knocking on your door. Has Cosmos had um, given any thought to approaching these major organizations? Because you did just bring them up. Um, so your Wall Street bankers, your 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 um, you know your Nasdaqs of this world. Um, have have you approached them? What are you guys trying to apply with that? I know that's a little outside of the scope of the tip of, of the engineering on this, but because you brought it up, I'm just kind of curious um, what's going on in that that ring. Yeah, Brad, do you want to take this? Sure. Uh, yeah, happy, happy to uh, give some input here. I, you know, I think, I think in the, you know, our initial philosophy right now is to focus on uh, open source development and making sure that the protocol is solid and, you know, we're, we're creating good, useful software and things like PEGI, IBC, Ethermint are built in, you know, proper standards and, and iterated in the right ways. Um when it comes to you know more traditional systems um, interacting with Wall Street banks, interacting with you know traditional financial institutions, uh, you know we we have the capabilities, but I think we're still kind of focusing more on just hardening the, the protocol and making it you know battle hardened and, and you know useful before being applied to traditional systems. Because you know in many ways, and this with this technology, we're also trying to um, displace or replicate some of those systems. So uh, I think one of my uh, favorite experiences uh, in this ecosystem was um, uh, I, I was actually working with, with Sunny at a, at a, uh, at a uh, hackathon for, uh, at ETH Waterloo. And uh, basically, uh, I don't know if Sunny wants to tell the rest of the story, but you know, we, uh, we, we, uh, we wanted to create a sidechain implementation that we thought that could be useful for a to a certain extent. Sonny, do you want to do you want to finish the story? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. So this was sort of it was a little bit of a troll project, but we realized that it could actually potentially be kind of useful. Which is this is like joke that's like, oh, you know, most ERC twenties have are like centralized and stuff. You might as well just put them on Google Sheets. So uh, we made actually a um, a Google we made Google Sheets as a side chain to Ethereum where you could use, uh, um, you can transfer tokens off from from a, a from Ethereum on onto a special Google Sheet that's like right protected. But then you can make transactions on that Google Sheet, and they're like verified with like the OAuth signatures. And then when you want to move back to Ethereum, you can withdraw them, and you have to do like an OAuth signature, which is like RSA. And then we were able to verify that on Ethereum. It's expensive, but you know you can do it. Um, yeah, so that's how the project was. What was the point of bringing that up, Frank? What was the relation here? Oh, and uh, I, I guess uh, we end up calling it uh, Sheetcoin. So that that was uh, yeah. that, that was, that's um, hilarious. That was my favorite part. But uh, so so the the reason I brought that up is that you know that that interrelationship between the Ethereum blockchain and this Google Sheet sidechain is the fundamental component 
of how you can replicate a traditional banking system. Like that, that relationship where you have value that exists in one decentralized ecosystem that can be yeah. uh, manipulated and, and interacted with in a fast finality ecosystem or just Google Sheets at the, at the time is mm-hmm. indicative of, of, you know, what blockchain is able to do in a broader ecosystem of, you know, having, having, you know, good financial value and inter interactivity. So, yeah, I think, I think all that stuff's in, you know, definitely in the future. Though, you know, we're, we're sticking to our guns here and we're making sure that we, you know, build all this stuff really well before we, you know, bring it, bring it on to the, uh, you know, the, the bigger institutions to use. And, and, you know, in many ways, we want this to be used for everyone. You know, we want everyone to be access to be able to access this. So um, we're, we're, we're still figuring it out, but, uh, you know, a lot of excitement uh, ahead of us. Totally. I'm kind of curious. So getting into the dovetailing off the financial institutions and the mainstream stuff, um, I know that Binance uses the the, um, the uh, SDK pretty heavily. Are they running a private version of this, or do they are they fully attached to Public Cosmos Hub? What's I actually don't know. What, what can you tell me? Like what what is their yeah. architecture like? Are they still running? Are they running the most up to date version? Like what does Binance look like from a Cosmos standpoint? Um, yeah, so they're using the Cosmos SDK. Uh, they're not connected to the Cosmos Hub. That's because no one is connected to the Cosmos Hub right now. Like I said, like you know, IBC is not live yet on, on any main nets. Um, and, but from our discussions with them, they they seem pretty uh, open to like wanting to like uh, start integrating with IBC once it's like you know sort of ready and has been tested. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that they they want to be able to use IBC, uh, especially you know they want to they also want to use like Peggy and stuff because they want to like connect to Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, so yeah, that, that's something that, that they're interested in. And I, the problem is that, like you mentioned, their code base is actually private, so we don't know exactly what version of the Cosmos SDK they're they're work on. But you know, they've actually done a lot of great help in the ecosystem. They've built a lot of like you know, they've built a lot of like good JavaScript libraries for interacting with Cosmos SDK based chains. And so they've been, you know, they've been contributing back, which is kind of nice. Oh, that's cool. So I am actually, I, I, you said something that I didn't pick up on earlier and I apologize for that. Um, the IBC is necessary for, so I know that there's a lot of different um, just validators out there like of different chains and stuff running, running on Cosmos that I've heard about anecdotally mm-hmm. mostly. Um, are they so they're not able to connect with each other or register with each other in any sort of way right now? Is that that's what's going on? So they're all literally just disparate chains. And the the, the dream here is to mm-hmm. take this take IBC out of beta and have them all connect to each other so they could float assets between each other. Um, about how many of these uh, disparate yep. chains disparate chains are there uh, that you know of right now? If you were to estimate. Um. So ones that are built with the Cosmos SDK, if I had to guess off the top of my head, maybe around like five to 10 of them, which are on mainnet, and then maybe about 50 to 100 that are like in development that people are building. And what's the most like interesting chain that you've seen so far? Like what's, uh, what's kind of jumping out at you at this point? Um, I guess... Uh, some of that I'm interested. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm pretty interested in there's some cool stuff. I mean, I, I like this project called Kaba. They're kind of working on a version of Maker, sort of built on the Cosmos SDK, and 
So they have like a whole multi-collateral system working and stuff, which is pretty cool. Um, and it's not live on mainnet yet, but uh, they're working on that. And there's a project called, um, I'm really a big fan of Agoric and their like smart contracting system that they're working on. Uh, Shapeshift is working on this project called MicroTick, which is sort of a uh, interesting um, way of doing price oracles using short-term futures tradings. Um, so yeah, there's some like cool like DeFi stuff that's sort of being built right now. Totally. I don't know, Trango and Brent, what do you guys think? Um, I like Iris. They're you know they've been sort of our sister project since early 2016, 2017, and so they've been there with us since the beginning, and they're building a lot of um, microservices on their chain, uh, particularly with their their partners in China. So I'm curious to see what sort of interesting applications come out of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Additionally, I mean, uh, you know, DeFi, there's definitely a lot going on these days, um, in the overall ecosystem. So, you know, uh, we're, we're in the Cosmos ecosystem, we open sourced the DEX, um, around SF blockchain week last year, uh, basically utilizing a batch auction mechanism, for facilitating trades as opposed to a central limit order book um, mechanism. You know, essentially what we wanted to do with this was figure out a way to um, prevent uh, sniping or, or a, a type of mechanical front running that exists in different centralized ex exchanges. So, um, you know, this is a great experiment. We think that some sort of PEGI integrate. Uh, so, you know, at, at the moment, the, the DEX uh, is only able to trade uh, Ethereum. Um, but we think that a, a PEGI implementation, you know, connecting between a probabilistic finality uh, blockchain like Ethereum and, and a fast finality blockchain like Cosmos integrated into the DEX, you know, we could trade between a Cosmos and a, a Cosmos Atom and Ethereum pairs. Um, and yeah, you know, uh, just in DeFi in general, we, we see a lot of movement that that could uh, intertwine with, with some of the development that's happening in our ecosystem. There's another trend that I've been noticing, which is people are trying to build uncensorable social media. And so, you know, people are looking at, okay, how do we build decentralized Twitter and alternatives um, in that space? And so there's, there's, there's another project called Desmos and they're built by, uh, you know, this team of validators called Farble and they're based in Hong Kong. They're also trying to, uh, decentralize the social networking space, creating, um, yeah, creating a new social network. I haven't tried it yet, but that's, you know, that's, that's also in testnet. And, you know, there, uh, there's another one that, uh, we're building in house, which is, um, a project within the Virgo project. It's called Dither. And, and, uh, th that one's trying to, uh, build a wallet that is associated with like a like a twitter handle um like a cosmos wallet that is associated with a twitter handle and so you, sh you could do social networking while transacting as you social network i was going to say the best site to look for it is if you go on a site called cosmonauts.world mm -hmm. um that's why you know it's just a great site that kind of like has a list of all the projects building on cosmos and like you know what stage they're at and like links to their github and everything so it's probably the best resource to like see more 
So yeah, I like that one because it's open source, and then anybody who happens to be building on uh, Casas SDK or Tenement is uh, just creating a pull request to say, "Hey, add me here. <coughs> we're currently building this. You know, this is this is like we're in testnet or we're about to go to mainnet." Um, and again, yeah, that's a good resource. It's right a good, on. nice resource for this e- e- the Cosmos ecosystem. So I'm, I'm a, uh, I've got one question that is kind of been plaguing me. I, I, I keep hearing about play, uh, was it game of stakes, and I'm not really clear on what that was structured like. Um, I missed it. It kind of like passed past me, and I was, then I heard about it. Um, like I said, I'm not in the ecosystem, but I, I, I'm associated with, with, with it and I hear about it and it's typically like a minute too late. So can, can you explain game of stakes and now you've got this other thing, game of zones. Um, (laughs) and so I'm kind of curious, like, what are these things? Can you describe them for the audience? So game of stakes was the first incentivized test net of its kind. The, the conversation that sort of preceded that was about, okay, um, you know, we, our idea is we have this ecosystem of sovereign chains and each of them is going to have to bootstrap its security uh, one way or another. And right now, you know, so this is, this is us in, um, in 2017, we're like, okay, we have a handful of validators in our ecosystem, maybe five tops. How do we incentivize um, validators to want to join our testnet and actually want to try and break it? And so this idea of having this adversarial testnet um, came up and, and further to, to incentivize even more players to come in because we had 100 slots to fill before um, we wanted to launch the hub. And so this, this idea of attaching uh, like, a, like, a, like a leaderboard came up and that's basically how um, we came up with Game of Stakes. And uh, it was like a multi-month long like marketing communications process. But um, yeah, af- after it was launched, we ended up getting nearly all 100 validator spot- slots filled. And so that was the initial goal, and it kind of because of the success of Game of Stakes, it demonstrated to the industry that this is a good way for a lot of proof of stake networks to um, to like stress test their systems uh, because we don't know, you know, it's such a like proof of stake is so new, um, so you do need something like uh, a, an incentivized test net, and so Game of Zones is this year's version of game of stakes and game of zones is our attempt to stress test an ecosystem where there are multiple blockchains because in cosmos uh a zone is just an application specific blockchain and so nothing my ibc is permissionless there's nothing like stopping if i if my chain supports ibc and yours does they will just, you know, you don't get, there's no governance vote required to approve an IBC connection. You, any chain can kind of just like connect automatically. And so this might create like adversarial systems that we, that is kind of what we want to test as well here. So wait, 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 yeah. Ch- chains could just connect automatically to, to these. Uh, so explain that a little bit more. What would that process look like? They just go ahead and say, hey, validators, I want to connect to you. Or do, like, how does this like? What does that look? Do they even care uh, if somebody connects to them? Like, should that be an issue? 
No, the validators don't care because it's just sort of something on the state machine, right? I just I just make a transaction saying, look, here's the chain ID and some initial root of trust, whether it's a Genesis file or some oh, right, right, some right. root of trust, mm-hmm. and you just say, okay, here, connect to this, you know, start tracking. And I, you know, someone has to be running a relayer for it, so maybe I'll be running the relayer or some, you know, and you know, as long as I'm just relaying packets between the two chains, like relaying headers between the two chains, then you know, that's an IBC connection. Gotcha. But you said earlier that the the number of IBC connections could kind of fill up. Like there's a there's a limit to the number that you can theoretically support. So is that a possible like attack vector for somebody if they just want to launch a bunch of uh, machines and then try to submit that, that, that transaction? Or would the network just reject it and say, I'm full, which is another kind of attack vector? It, I mean, it will kind of just, it, there, there's a gas, like, you know, submitting proof, Submitting IBC connection like headers and stuff has a gas cost associated with it. So yes, they could do that, and they would end up just spamming the chain and having to pay a lot of gas to do that. Um, yes, I mean eventually, do we have to consider like okay, what happens if they spam so much that like they fill up the the data like you know the, the database of of all the ballot like uh, you know that the nodes have? Yeah, I mean, yes, that's a concern. That's like. A larger concern. You could do that just by spamming normal transaction. Right. And so yeah, that's something. Yeah. But I thought the actual nodes themselves had to had to ask act as sort of like a a light client to the the secondary chain, right? Did I mis- misunderstand that? No, the light client is in the state machine, so you can consider it like there's a smart contract that is running the light client. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That makes sense. Wow, that's actually pretty cool. So the the smart contract there's a smart contract in chain two, which would Wait, wait, wait. No, actually, how does that work? I'm not sure. I'm okay, so that, so. there's an example. Uh, are you from the? Are you? Have you ever seen the old Ethereum project called BTC Relay? Uh, a long time ago. I don't remember it that well, but I thought it was just wrapped BTC. Uh, I mean, so what BTC Relay was doing was it was just, you know, you take some anyone can basically take the current Bitcoin block header and submit it to a smart contract on Ethereum, and then if the the smart contract would verify the proof of work saying like, okay, yes, this is a valid hash of the previous block and, you know, it meets the difficulty threshold and yada, yada, yada. Um, so that's kind of what it, it, IBC is basically the same thing, but in a much more generalized way where it doesn't, it's not specifically for BTC, but it kind of works with any chain that also supports IBC. But like, so the point is that, you know, the validators aren't run, I mean, in a, in a way, technically, yes, the validators are running it because, you know, they're running the state machine. But it's like, you know, you wouldn't say that the, in the BTC case, you wouldn't say that the miners are the one running the uh, BTC light client. It's just the BTC light client is a contract on the EVM and the miners are just running the EVM. Right. But I thought, OK, so this is this is the part. So you're committing every single block header to to a contract. And then, but you don't have the ability to. Well, uh, I guess you do to verify the proof of work for that block header. Uh, so, okay, but then you have to have every single one kind of leading up to that. Wouldn't mm-hmm. you need to keep a state history with this, or because like I could just submit um, anything no. and just say this works and it should be fine, yeah. right? So this is not the tenement. The way tenement like clients work is it, it. You know, they're pretty efficient in the sense that you don't have to um, transmit that many headers because you you can actually do this sort of as long as the validator set isn't changing by too much every block like as long as the validator set hasn't changed by more than a third you can actually skip a bunch of blocks so i could say look here's the val 
if the validators, yeah, let's say validators A, B, C, and D are the validators of block 10, and then a block 100, they're still the same validators, you, you, you actually don't, the way tenement-like clients work, you don't actually have to transmit the blocks in the middle. Oh, you can just okay. go ahead and... Okay. How's that, how's that rolled up? Like, how do you know that that's a... Uh... That that's uh, you know block one hundred is a lot is is in fact block one hundred and it is uh, a valid block between um, because um, well you know it's block hundred because that information is in the block header yes uh, and you but know it's I a could valid take that block and pull it out and replace it with another number so I could be like this is block because the, yeah, because ahead. the header has the signatures of the validators on it okay yeah yeah oh okay I got it okay cool. Um, ah, yeah. Sorry, maybe that wasn't clear enough. Yes. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, no, 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 no. Could, that makes perfect sense. I should have thought. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay, cool. No, neat. So, so really, you guys are about to really unleash the big, 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 uh, the big unveiling once IBC gets going. Um, and and what is your like a projected timeline on actually producing a fully fledged live IBC like IBC protocol? The whole the whole shebang. Like, what's going on? There? Uh, you step back really far. <laughs> <laughs> I do engineering. I don't do, uh, you know, planning on timelines. <laughs> well, so to give you an estimate, Game of Zones is going to be launched. Uh, the start date is May 1st. It was just announced and the registrations are open. And as soon as that concludes, then there's going to be further um, testing and tweaking of the parameters for uh, before we launch IBC, and then we have to have like a governance vote on the hub and everything, so uh, to to get that activated on the hub. So that's that's a multi month long process, but yeah. you know, it's probably going to come before coronavirus ends. So there you go. That's a that's a good wow. uh, timeline. Like, <laughs> so next week, yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> right on. Uh, so what's got you excited in this space? Uh, it doesn't have to be Cosmos related. What's, what's really, what's really, what are you guys like looking at? What are you interested in? Oh God, I'm the biggest handshake show there ever was. <laughs> oh, I, I just found, we just, we just released the podcast on that, uh, today. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I am very, like last week's recording was, was with handshake. Oh gosh, I'm blanking on his name. I'm so terrible like that. Um, uh, it was, uh, um, Tation. Yeah. Tation. Um, and, uh, he, he was a really, he was, it was really good grasp. I'm really excited about that protocol as well. It's, it's super cool. I want to steal it and put it on the Ava network. Um, it was amazing, uh, but it was, it was, it was definitely uh, a really, 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 really interesting, uh, podcast. So, uh, to show my own stuff, I, you're listening to this for Cosmos. Listen to the previous episode of Law for Handshake. Jacob's absolutely correct. It's amazing. Um, what else are you guys interested in? I, I saw Sonny seemed to have something that he was he wanted to say. Um, I'm really interested in uh, sort of any a lot of like web of trust based things. Um, I, I just think that I I, I don't know. I, I had this like realization a few months ago that like trustlessness is a silly thing. And because it's it's not worth building trustless systems because that's how the world is. The world has like a, la- a fabric of trust, and what we should be doing is what technology should be doing is like leveraging existing trust relationships to make interactions that maybe weren't possible before now possible. Um, 
And so to that end, I've been really interested in things like uh, Interledger, uh, which is this like payments protocol. Um, I've been interested in sort of how to do some undercollateralized lending stuff using Web of Trust. Um, oh, I actually have this cool idea for how to do a Web of Trust-based consensus protocol that is sort of a fork of Avalanche. Um, and so, because, and so, yeah, that's kind of one of the things I'm kind of interested in. Uh, and maybe now that you guys have your code open source, I might actually start, you might actually fork it and just, just like try testing it out to see if it works. Well, you don't have to fork it. You could just take, well, you could fork the repo, but like, yeah, you could just build your own VMs. Anyway, we'll talk offline. Well, the problem one. isn't the VM. The problem is what I want to do is uh, not use proof of stake. I, I think you can do sort of this like, combination of Stellar with Avalanche. Oh, okay. I see. I see. Uh, that's an interesting choice. Uh, but anyway, okay, cool. Cool. Uh, Brent, what are you into these days? Sure. You know, I, I got my eye on uh, some of these staking derivatives coming out from in, in the, in the uh, uh, proof of stake ecosystems. Um, some good stuff coming from Kepler. Uh, excuse me. The, the Everett, Everett Protocol team in Korea. Um, they're also building a, a MetaMask equivalent for the for the Cosmos ecosystem. Um, I, I like I like uh, some of the the ETH two roadmap. I know it's it's you know looking pretty far into the future, five to ten years. You know that that's that's a that's a lot of yeah. a lot of uh, future outlook. But uh, you know it's it's kind of good seeing things laid out. You know and uh, you know having having some sort of expectations on the uh, on the timeline and uh, uh, just sort of a shameless plug here. Uh, we are we are having a Gitcoin hackathon. Uh, starting April twentieth, so you know we're 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 hoping to get some folks uh, working on on some uh, Cosmos related uh, projects, and uh, uh, definitely uh, on the lookout for for folks who are um, uh, building cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, cool, awesome. Well, guys, thank you very much for coming on the program. I'm excited to see IBC roll out. I really am um, looking forward to seeing how this all kind of plays out and as as things kind of coalesce and come together and people start joining hands with each other on these separate um uh blockchains i'm really i'm really excited to see what that looks like um and how people start interacting with each other in a, in a more global scale um rather than just have these isolated you know single one-off chains finally having assets flow across them is going to be really interesting to see really interesting to watch um, i'm really i'm really going to be paying attention to seeing how that, that rolls out so thank you very much for your work thank you for coming on the air it was really great um, I really appreciate you guys being here. Thank you. Thank you.